Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Altitude Talk Show. I'm your host, Isaac Marks, and I'm joined, as always, by my boy, Logan Bannon. What's up, dude? Not much, dog. I feel good being your boy today. I mean, you feel all sorts of special. Yeah, feel like we're real friends that have seen each other in person at some point over the last two years or something. Yeah, it's like that actually happened. Yeah. Isaac and I are real friends, people. We're not like those fools over at PDP where they just pretend to be friends. They just yell at each other all the time. We actually have friendly interactions, sort of. That maybe. happens. Sometimes. All I don't right. know. Now, now that our <laughs> shot has been fired, a lot of angst here. Now that the shot has been fired, how you been? I'm Let's good, small man. Talk. Yeah? I'm good. Yeah, we're good. We're hanging in there. Um, start school on Monday, so that'll be scary. Getting my master's, so... Real life Billy Madison over here. Back uh, to school. Back <laughs> to school. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm excited for it. It'll be good. Um, not excited to sit in a classroom for three hours for three days a week. Because um, that sounds like hell. But got to do what you got to do, man. So that's what I'm doing. You're going to be a master or something when all said and done. Just think of it that way. I mean... Sure, we'll just go with that. We got a full show for you today, now that we've wasted the first hour and a half of your time. Yeah, that was crap. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to talk a bit. We're going to go from like a more serious issue into more fun stuff. So we'll start with the Reyes suspension and end with how well the Rockies are doing in May. What? So, yeah, that's what we're going to go with. You want to start it off? Yeah. So, I mean, the big news came out last Friday. Reyes' suspension is finally, finally official. After every Friday for a month and a half, we thought it would be official. Uh, he's suspended. He's missing 51 games. He's losing the pay for 52 games because of a rain out against the Pirates. Uh, you already wrote an article about it the day after it came out. You weren't happy about it. You thought it was too light. Would you like to elaborate? Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, wow, that was a lot of posturing. Yeah, I mean, sort of, well, kind of, yeah, so, like, whatever. No. Um, you kind of had the feeling that they've, if they've Major League Baseball was going to take five weeks to come to a decision that there would be a penalty that would last more than three weeks after they released that decision. Like, the timing is just so awful. It's like... All right, now he's officially suspended, but suspended, but for three weeks, and then he's back to playing baseball. So we kind of have a really short turnaround, despite the fact that he's really been suspended without pay for the past, like I don't know, thirty something games. Um, but you just kind of get the feeling that it was shortchanged and done a little bit hastily, and then. The reason why it was short is because he didn't appeal, and there was obviously some under the table or over the table, depending on how the they decided to go about it, negotiations with the Players Association, because I'm sure Major League Baseball got as much out of Reyes as they could without him appealing, which I don't quite understand that strategy. Um, it kind of baffles me, to be honest. I don't know what you think about that, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously there are the appeal processes and things, but if that truly is how it went, where the league went as far as they could before the Players Association pushed back too hard to where they kind of met in the middle, 
you know, if that's the case, it seems like the Players Association might have had a little bit more leverage than we think they might in a situation like this. Uh, you know, something like this, you'd, you'd like to think as a public perception fan point of view that the league could more or less do as much as they want within reason. But, I mean, to me, the neighborhood that you'd be looking for that is kind of what most people were thinking, somewhere around 80 games or so. And so if it's 50, that makes you think, you know, maybe they didn't have as much power in the negotiations as you'd think. And maybe it does have something to do with the fact that race didn't appeal. But then at the same time, part of that to me is like, it, it seems a little ridiculous that just because he's being cooperative, you have to lessen the punishment so much. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's a, to- that's a total joke if that's a reason, right? Like you're supposed to be a disciplinarian in this sort of sense where you don't have to rely on the law to like issue a suspension when you're like hurting the image of the league that's kind of where you get to step in right so and i don't know it's just such it's such a hard thing to understand especially because reyes's wife refused to cooperate with authorities both in the police investigation and with the with major league baseball and by no means am i criticizing Reyes's wife, Catherine, I believe her name is, um, because if she's obligated to do whatever she wants with it, it was she her involvement. But I just I see police reports, I see hospital reports, and that's enough for me to go to eighty one games without without blinking an eye. Um, but to be fair, Major League Baseball, the MLB Players Association, is the strongest player association in all of sports. I mean... There's a reason that guys get paid so much compared to everyone else. Right. So, fun note, I read a, I read the book, the, um, the one I was telling you about. The game. Um, the baseball book by um, John Pessa. P-E-S-S-A-H. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's a fascinating um, book, and it kind of goes talks about Bud Selig and his attempts to, or when he became commissioner and his attempts to go to a salary cap and how that negotiation worked out. Like that's the first part of the book at least. Um, so, and it basically didn't happen because the players association refused to agree to a salary cap. And so here we are today with $250 million contracts and base and all guaranteed money unlike NFL where they just kind of roll over and are happy with like two or three guaranteed dollars. Guaranteed if a guy gets dollars. hurt, he's just out for the rest of his life. Just right. no more, no more money for him. Right. So kudos to the MLB players association for sticking up to their, for their players. But it, when it comes to a situation like domestic violence, you almost kind of want them to stand aside let the punishment happen a little bit because it's more of a public issue than anything else and while Reyes's living is in fact baseball I think the fact that he sent his wife to the hospital should take precedent over getting him back onto the field in the quickest amount of time I agree. And it is weird whenever situations like this come up, um, and you're kind of pointing it out, the Players Association is kind of a double-sided coin where generally, at least from my perspective, it's like when it comes to salary cap, it's like I want guys to be getting as much money as they can. Like, it's either them or 
the Montforts or the Jeffrey Lorias or whoever, whatever owner you want to choose. Generally, I sat at the players there, and I'm like, great, you know, the Players Association is doing God's work, or <laughs> that's exaggerating, but is is great for the game in that regard. But then you get to something like this, and it's the same principle. They're standing up for their players, um, whatever their players' interests might be. You know, in this case, it would be not being suspended and not having your reputation tarnished. But given the context, I have an entirely different opinion about it, where they're doing the same thing, but in this case, I don't agree with it. So it is weird, and they have to kind of toe a fine line. Um, overall, though, I, I don't think I can really blame the Players Association too much because that is what they're there for. Right, you know, absolutely. Their guy, whatever their guy does, well, however stupid he looks, their job is to sit there and... They're you know, obligated to defend him. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's just, you almost hope that they kind of put the human aspect over their obligation, just in this instance. But they're never going to do that because that's irrational for a player's association to do because then they lose the faith of the players and then there's no point of having a player's union to begin with. Um, But I don't know. It's unfortunate. The Rockies have a decision to make in a couple weeks. Apparently people are interested in trading for Reyes, which, I mean, Reyes was not good last year. Like, despite the fact that he comes with this label of like domestic violence he was not a good baseball player in 2015 yeah i mean if the rockies are even taking offers like if they have someone calling jeff bridge's phone at at this point the current price should be two fungos like just we will give you jose reyes if you want him maybe even a one working and one broken fungo like i will take broken fungos for Right. We, we have we have tape in our dugout. We can make yeah. it work. We can put it back together. I don't know if we can put back together the relationship with Reyes. Yeah, but I, I guess kind of going back even a step further, do you even see Reyes ever playing with the Rockies? Let's say they're not able to trade him. Then what? No, I don't think so. I think the Rockies are absolutely done with him. I mean, they wanted to... First of all, I don't know why they didn't pull the trigger last trade deadline when they apparently had an offer for him I'm not saying that like trading Reyes preemptively because of this because that's absurd like that's an absolute joke if you think the Rockies knew that this was going to happen but I was never a fan of Reyes coming here in the first place because of the reason I said before and he was bad and getting paid 22 million dollars any chance we had to get rid of that I would have taken but so I don't think they were ever happy with it. And they, the decision's made so much easier with how well to, uh, Story's playing. Yeah. Like, And then you're not going to pay a bench player $15 million over three quarters of a season, less than three quarters of a season. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, were, you brought it up earlier. It's guaranteed money. So really when you're making this decision, if you're not going to trade him, you kind of have to think money aside – you know, where's he has from a baseball standpoint? You know, are, is our team better, and I guess reputation-wise and baseball skill-wise, with him on our team? Or is our team better without him existing? You know, nothing to do with the contract. Obviously, the contract sucks, but it is what it is. And looking at this team, you know, we're already, we already have a few guys where I'd say they're at least comparable to Reyes in skill level, in Adamus and Descalso. I mean, Reyes might be a hair above them at this point. But with the negative reputation that Reyes brings, 
I'd rather just cut him, you know, eat the money because I, I, I honestly think that getting zero value out of him is better than whatever value you'd get out of him if he stayed on the team. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, reputation-wise, yes, get rid of Reyes, absolutely. Baseball-wise, he's replaceable by literally anybody else on our bench right now. So, that got anything else on Reyes? No. I mean, everyone's already written their articles on this. If you want to figure it out, go to go to Purple Row. We got yeah. like four or five guys that wrote articles about it. All have good points. Check it out. Otherwise, there's millions of other people on the internet too. So yeah. if there's if there's a take out there, you'll you'll be able to find it. Definitely interesting reading, though. So let's move on from Reyes like the Rockies should. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I haven't move. had a segue like that in a while. <laughs> oh yeah, cheesy segues are my forte. Yes, sir. Let's talk about the yard goods. Let's do it. America's favorite minor league baseball team. They so. Really, I mean, the prime when we should have talked about them was about two weeks ago. They've cooled off a little bit since then, but they are still 24-15, and 15, looking real sharp. Uh, their pitching has been legendary, which everyone in this circle of hell that is Rockies fandom can get excited about. Yeah. I mean, just all around, I mean, the team, we kind of knew going into this season that they'd probably be pretty good just with the sheer pedigree of prospects that were placed there. But Absolutely. I mean, did we think that they'd be this successful? Let alone the fact that they've played 39 games in a row on the road now, kind of. No, there's no way we expected them to be this good. But they had the talent to do something like this, and you kind of expected them to go through a cold streak at one point because they're on the road for, like you said, 39 straight games. And that naturally comes with a little bit of um, just exhaustion and some down games and stuff like that. But... The team's just been incredible. They have a team ERA of like 2.4. It's incredible how on the road they've been able to be this successful. Now, they're going to be on the road for a little bit longer because apparently the, the stadium's not going to be ready till like July. Yay. So that's rather unfortunate. Uh, maybe they'll make their home in Norwich for the next month where they, have, or where they are right now. Um, but... They've got guys like Kyle Freeland, Harrison Musgrave, German Marquez has been fantastic in his first year in the system. Matt Karasidis closing the door in the back end. They have they had Antonio Sensatella before he fell off a cliff and was never heard of again, and now they just added Tyler Anderson to that staff. Like it's an incredibly talent, talented pitching staff with three of the top what five position prospects on the team as well in yeah. Ryan El Tapia, David Dahl, and Ryan McMahon. So the team's loaded, man. And that's the craziest thing we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, but those big three with Tapia, Dahl, and McMahon, they've played okay, but their stats aren't eye-popping. You know, It's not the kind of thing where come September you see a stat line like this and you say, oh my god, it was a breakout season. Uh, you know, just quick glance right now. Tapia's batting 278. David Dahl's batting 261. Ryan McMahon's batting 231. So, you know, no one on the team is batting over 300 except for, as, as I joked, uh, some catcher, Troy Stein, who they just called up, who's currently three for seven. Uh, but other than that, our next highest batting average is Tapia at 278. So, 
as good as the pitching staff has been, it, it'll be interesting to see how it develops offensively. You, know, you can't really expect them to sustain a 260 ERA because that's ridiculous. But that could very easily balance out with some sort of upswing in the offense, um, especially from those three guys. Absolutely. Well, Dahl has 10 home runs, which has been a huge increase um, in Hit his mad game. dingers. Yeah, which is awesome for him. Um, that's usually that's not something we've really seen from Dahl over the course of his career. But um, the 10 home – I mean, he's also – hasn't really played a full season healthy in like three years. So that might be also part of it. He has four stolen bases or wow, 11 stolen bases already on the year. So he's already got 10 and 10. He's definitely, he's a 2020 guy for sure. Um, once he hits the majors, that's uh, kind of his skill set right now. He could raise that with the power, with the power surge that he's having right now to like a 30, 30 guy. But, um, like you said, those three guys, they'll start producing a little bit more offensively like we kind of expect them to, um, and the pitching staff will regress a little bit. But overall, that team's really exciting to watch. If you get a chance, I highly recommend making it out to one of their games. If you're ever on the East Coast, go check out those Hartford Yard Goats because they are an exciting minor league baseball team to watch. Wherever their nomadic lifestyle takes them. We shall follow. Yeah, but and, and and if you can't make it to a game, at the very least, listen to their jingle, or <laughs> listen to Anthony Masterson sing their jingle. That's Either the way. Modesto nuts, dude. If you like some Modesto nuts too, but start with the Yard Goats. Oh, what's the Yard Goats one? It's the same thing. Really? Yeah, that's why I started singing the nuts one. Because it, it was a joke where every time they started talking about the Yard Goats, you'd go the Hot Food Yard Goats. And then they'd switch gears and start talking about the nuts. They start going the Modesto nuts. Hmm. God, man, I really should pay attention. We're hyping the other podcast way too much. <laughs> That's true because they're good and they're good, good people. Shout out to Tyler and Anthony. They're good people. They are good people. But yeah, Harford Yard Goats. They're real. Keep an eye on them all season. And if you're listening Gartford, to this podcast, I'm assuming you will anyway. Gartford Yard Hoats. Yard hoats. <laughs> yard hoats. What about the guard yotes? I like the guard yotes. The guard yotes yeah. is good. Yeah, we'll go with that. The Rockies have been good pitching. They've had a good pitching <laughs> over the past couple of year, couple weeks, huh? Yeah. G- g- gave up the cheesy segue and just gave no segue whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, you get mad at me every time I do the cheesy segue, so it's like I gotta pick my battles. Yeah. There wasn't a good one there, so I just went straight for it. Yeah. To answer a question, the Rockies pitching has been good. Thank you for bringing that up, Isaac. You're welcome, uh, Logan. I mean, as we all know, and as we all remember, notably the Padres series, the Rockies staff was typically pretty bad in April. You know, we had Chatwood, we had Bettis looking good, but everyone else kind of pooped it on themselves. Uh, in May, they're looking real good, though. In May, I was, I was running the stats here, as I do in about 30 seconds before we start recording. They have a 3.85 ERA in May. That's 13th in the league for the month. That's pretty good. Especially considering we're like, when I was doing some like the stats for that bullpen piece I wrote a few weeks back, we've like never been higher than like 25th in the league in ERA or something like that. Like something ridiculous. Go so team. For us, so for us to be 13th in ERA over any stretch of time, even if it's like the last two innings of this game, like that's something to be proud of. And, Absolutely. And, and you know, we were talking about, uh, where was I going with this? Bone Lagoon hasn't given up a run. 
as Isaac pointed out, since a week before our last podcast, which we haven't recorded in almost a month. So he hasn't which been given up bad. a run. He hasn't been give, he hasn't given up a run since like the f- second week of the season. April tenth. He hasn't given up a run since that disastrous San Diego series home opening series. That's how good he's been. Everyone gave up on that series too. Right. Exactly. Everybody was everybody yeah. was victimized. Yeah, we have him. We have uh Gonzalez Germain. It has a 2.25 ERA on the air. He's that dude for the last year and a half who constantly just keeps getting sent back and forth between AAA and the majors. He comes in at the back end of the bullpen, the the I guess 13th guy I think he would be right now. And he's he's ten, I don't know. he's looking solid. I don't know I how just, many... I think Justin Miller qualifies as the thirteenth guy right now. You think if we had to send a reliever down today, it could it'd be, be either some... Miller or it'd be Miller or Oberg. Oberg's been okay, but his he's only struck out four guys in nine point one innings, and that's just not really good for a reliever who's supposed to like strike back people. into the yeah. So, but. I mean, it at def- the same time, yeah. though, even Scott Oberg has a sub-3 RA right now. Right. But, I, yeah, I think that's it's just the, luck of the draw right now. I'm not here to talk about luck, Isaac. I'm here to hop <laughs> on the hype train, okay? Hop off that hype train, Logan, and see reason. Never. I'll hop off the hype train and we go on, like, a 20-game losing streak next month. Okay. But not now. Can't you do it. You said it. You said it, not me. I said it. But the good news is every time I talk crap about the Rockies or any player in particular, they do well. So... Uh, yeah, if I say the Rockies are going to go on a 20 game losing streak in June, they're probably going to go on like a 20 game winning streak. That's why I stick to writing sarcastic articles, because whenever I write any sort of serious analysis with any hot takes, I always just go blatantly wrong. <laughs> Proven wrong the next day. Yeah, it, it always happens. But, um, but yeah, I mean, pitching has looked sharp. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, he's not in the twos anymore with his ERA, which is to be expected because he's not a top 10 pitcher. No. But, I mean, the, the way he's pitching and the way things have been, he's sitting at 3-2 right now for the season. I can see him settling kind of right into that you know low-mid-threes range. It's not like he – he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be prone to getting shelled where you're going to see a stat line. It's like three innings, seven runs or something. No. Even when he's given up – the only time he's gone short was when he lasted four innings. He only gave up a couple runs, but it took him like 93 pitches to get through four innings, which is insane. 95, one of those two. But it was a, like, if it takes you that many pitches to get through four innings, then you got some stuff to work on. But that's been his only bad outing of the year. John Gray has been fantastic so far this year. He's striking out 11.3 batters per nine innings, and in his five starts, is sporting an ERA of 4.71, but has a FIP of 2.48. So that's a first of all, that's a huge difference between the two. What what's that what that tells me is that John Gray's just getting nickel and dimed into letting up some runs and I mean over his past three starts he's been like incredible. So what are you doing? I don't know, man. For those of you listening at home I'm playing with my headphones, I don't really know why. <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus, yes. you look like not, Cyclops. Not, not that I wasn't listening, though. Stay on topic, Isaac. John Gray is looking amazing. He's got that beautiful flow. He's got the beautiful fastball. And, yeah, I mean, when you watch his games, it's you can you can use the numbers to back it up, but just like it's it's clear to the naked eye 
The dude's been getting jacked. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll maybe, like, get a dinker Texas leaguer. The guy will, you know, get small balled around a third and then score on a sack fly or something. And it, it's just, like, it's frustrating. But, yeah, I mean, stats, if you want to use numbers, stats say that he's eventually going to at least return a little bit. Um, you can't expect him to sustain a, a, a two-point gap between his FIP and his ERA. Right. So I mean, yeah, it's gonna go gonna... one. It's gonna go one direction or the other, and I'm betting it's gonna come, his ERA is gonna come down. So. You're betting on the FIP staying relatively low. Yeah, the optimism episode. This yes. is happening. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, John Gray looking good, really. And, and the weird thing about this is, going into the year, we pretty much said Jorge De La Rosa is gonna be the the horse of the staff, the steady guy. <laughs> he. Yeah. He has, he has looked less than sharp in AAA, as all reports have indicated. And is being kept in AAA until he figures it out. Yeah. And and now, when you look at it, there's there's not really a clear spot in the rotation for him right now, of no. all people. I mean, if anyone's going to get dropped, it's going to be Chris Russin. Well, like, even he's not looking terrible. I mean, the game's going on right now. I, I haven't seen any updates, but uh, he's, down he's been what you'd expect. Ooh. But, I mean, he's been what you would expect a fifth starter to be, really. Yeah, And absolutely. so, you know, unless Jorge shows us something where we feel the need to push Russin back into the pen, I, I don't do, – do we leave our 35-year-old so-called ace in AAA for the next month or whatever it takes? Until he figures it out. I mean, at this point, I'd almost rather see Jeff Hoffman come up than Jorge De La Rosa. Oh, that'd be exciting. I mean, it'd, it'd be very exciting, and I don't think Hoffman's ready, but I also don't think De La Rosa's ready to retake that mantle. <laughs> or he's not ready to make the next step into the big leagues. <laughs> he's not. Dude, he, like, beat up a water cooler in the Albuquerque dugout after his last start. At least he cares. I mean, if that's what you want to call it, sure, but... Optimism episode! <laughs> This is weird. Go back to being normal. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, this is a weird debate. We, we had this debate at the beginning of the year, too. When's the last time we thought we had too many starting pitchers? Never. Literally never. Literally never. It's weird. And now, and now we have more, uh, more pitchers than we know what to do with. I mean, if this were, like, 2011 and Jorge were hurt and struggling in AAA, we'd just be like... Whatever, activate him, throw him back in the rotation. We need so, Jorge. Because, we because need right, him right now. Because right now we're calling up guys from single A who we've never heard of to come throw some innings for us. Was that the year Eduardo Cabrera came up? In like, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Eduardo uh-huh. Cabrera. That's when Johan Flande first made an appearance. I love you, Johan. I haven't even really been tracking him this year. But, I mean, Johan Flande is kind of the epitome of that. It's just like we've had these guys throughout history where they just show up out of nowhere. But, like, we don't even have space for guys like that anymore. We have more pitchers. And then even now we have Bergman in the pen. He could start, too, if we really needed him to. Yeah. And, like, he'd be acceptable. Yeah, well, Russin's um, holding his own. If we want to go back to, like, FIP versus ERA, Russin's ERA is 4.97. His FIP is in the 2.8, 2.9 area. So, and... That's incorporating this game before the game started. He was like two point six something. Um, you would kind of expect Russin's FIP to go 
closer to his ERA just based on talent alone. But at the same time, like he's pitched well enough to earn that like sub three FIP. And for those of you out there, FIP is a much better indication of a pitcher's performance than ERA. ERA is um, a little arbitrary, outdated, and relies a lot on human error, both in the scoring and in the people in the field. So FIP attempts to take away those um, factors. So I'm old school style. ERA till I die. Oh my god, no. We'll have this debate off air. It's not going to be entertaining. It's not going to be pretty. No, it won't be pretty at all. Fisticuffs will be held. Is that how you use that term? Sure. All right. I'll see you in Temecula, guy. Not your guy, friend. I'm not your friend, buddy. (laughs) All right. We could go on like that all day, as we all know. (laughs) We literally could go for the next hour and a half. We'll get back to that later. All right, buddy. I got a bone to pick. (laughs) <laughs> but for now, let's let's keep the happiness rolling. I'm not going to let you bring me down. All right, let's talk. I'm going to try though. And it's ironic that we're talking about this as a subject this week. But Arnado and Story are hitting dongs, and continue to hit dongs. I mean, Story's slowed down a little bit. He's been at 11 now for a while. Arnado, as soon as anyone gets close to him, he just hits another one. Like there are a couple guys with 12 right now, so he's probably going to hit a home run later tonight calling it right now in case you're, uh, you're you're counting on that but i say it's ironic that we're talking about it because if you remember our last episode we were going to talk in a very serious concerned tone about how our team relies too heavily on home runs and now we're just like screw it this is awesome just let it happen more <laughs> home runs bring them all and it's just like the thing with arnado's home runs to me and th- there's no logic or there's no like evidence to this statement it seems like every time he hits a home run, it's like right when we need it. You know, it's always it's always like we're up one in the sixth and we're not sure if we're going to hold on to the lead. He'll hit a home run give us that cushion. Or maybe he'll tie it up. Or, you know, he's not hitting a lot of home runs when we're down eight or up eight, you know. It's, it's just... It's like the 2009-2011 cargo where every time he hit a home run, it felt like it was a very close game and we just needed that to happen. Exactly. And that's ex- I agree with you. That's exactly how I feel. Like the Nolan's last home run, it came in a tie game, and he in the bottom of the eighth just blasted a home run. It's just like, all right, dude, I see you. That's what you want to do. Go for it. I'll take it. So it's like he's just waiting for that right pitch, and he just does his thing. And whammy. <laughs> okay. I, I can't do it like Champ Kind. No, but, you can't. Uh, I'll yeah, let you try I mean, that again. Anytime Arnado comes up to the plate, it gets me all excited. He keeps me on the bike at the gym every afternoon or every evening. So I, I can't get up, leave that that poor, that terrible TV that's like eight pixels. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. And then even more exciting, since you're a stat nerd, I'll bring this up for you. Arnado has 16 walks and 16 strikeouts this year. That's a, that's a decently high amount of walks and a very low amount of strikeouts. Especially compared to how he was last year. Yeah. Nolan Arenado was a strikeout king last year, and it was not good. And that's the kind of thing where it's like you look at it and you say, Arenado is, is starting to go from being a very good young hitter to a very good hitter. 
You know, where it's like, it seems like every time you see a young guy, it's like, he hits a lot of home runs, he, he makes really good contact, but he strikes out a lot. Right. We're, we're taking out the one but in Nolan Arenado's game. I mean, he struck out 110 times last year, which isn't, to be fair, that's not a, like, massive amount. The biggest problem was that he only had 34 walks. He's almost halfway there in a quarter of a season. He's Less on than a pace. quarter of a season. Yeah, he's on pace for about 65 to 70 strikeouts and 65 to 70 walks for an entire season. Which would be fantastic, especially for Nolan. Especially if he also hits 40 home runs and drives in another 120 RBIs <laughs> and scores yeah. 100 runs. I mean, he's, he, on, he's, he's on pace. He's good, people. We have a good player on our team. Appreciate him. Appreciate him and keep him here forever. In case you guys didn't know that, Arenado is good. Arenado is very good. Do you think Story's going to pass him in home runs at some point this year? Nah, I think Arenado's going to hold the team lead for the rest of the season. Where do you think he ends up? I think he ends up right around 40 again. If not, actually, it's Optimism episode. He's ended up at like Uh-oh. 48 is my number. Wow. He's hitting a lot of dingers. You're He's not slowing down. 48, huh? Yeah. All right, well, let's let's just go down. Where did you put Story? I think Story's going to finish at right around. I'm going to say like 23. Ooh, that's low ball. I I would say I think I think he's going to hit 30. Okay, I think he's going to hit 30 home runs. I don't feel like it's as much of a low ball when you realize he's hit five home runs in the last 30 games. You got to remember he hit seven in the first week. After his episode, he's hitting 30. He's going to hit 30. <laughs> Let's go. Calling it right here. Where do you think Cargo ends up? Cargo, he's going to end up right around that 25 mark as well. He's only at five right now, which is a little bit disappointing. But uh, he's going to have one of those weeks. Like he, he's not going to have another second half like he did last year, but he could at yes, least have is. another one of those weeks where he just like hits two home runs a game for like seven games, and then he just looks good at the end of the season. The thing that's weird is my roommate's a huge Cardinal fan, and so I talk to him about it all the time. There's something like seven Cardinals that have five or more home runs. And I was like, that doesn't sound that hard. Like, that doesn't sound that crazy to me. And then I looked at all the different teams. There's, like, no one else that has that. The Rockies have four guys with five home runs. So the three guys we already mentioned, Arnado, Story, Gonzalez, and then Ryan Rayburn, your boy. He's got, Rayburn! He's got five home After that, it's Paro with three. A couple guys who have been hurt, Blackman and Hunley with two, LeMahieu with two. Mark Reynolds somehow has only hit two home runs. Remember when we were all hyping that he'd like break Barry Bonds' home run record this season or something? No. He's, I was. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two home runs. It's like, uh, uh, considering as, as many home runs as it seems like we hit, it's, there aren't a lot of guys hitting home runs, which is strange. That's true. The Reynolds thing is interesting. Because um, he's hitting the ball the opposite way a lot more than he usually does. He's also hitting three fourteen, which is astounding. He has he's he has a BABIP of like forty four, which is like half the balls he puts in player hits right now, which is an, an incredibly unsustainable number. And the fact that he's done it over like the first month and a half of a season is just baffling. And considering he's never hit above 240 in his like decade plus long career, right? That'll drop so, down. Yeah, but but it's happening now, 
and we're winning games now because of it. That's true. But the only downside of that is that we had to send the luscious Ben Paulson down to AAA. I know. And by but, luscious, he means fantastically blessed with facial hair. Yes, sir. But it's a price you pay to have a guy like Mark Reynolds tearing it up for you. So Paulson will be back. I won't, I won't worry too much about it. That's fair. That's fair. But that brings up the next question. See, this is how you do a segue, Isaac, and I'm ruining okay. it. So we set Paulson down because we activated Daniel Descalso, the unremarkable yet reliable utility infielder. Isaac's giving the air reliable. quotes. Reliable. He's reliable in that we know what we're getting. He's not reliable in that we don't like what we're getting necessarily. <laughs> That's a very apt description. Like, he's fine. It's like he's ordering fine. a salad. I like salads. Yeah, but they're safe. There's nothing crazy about ordering a salad. It's not like you I'm could do some crazy the... shit with salads, man. You could, but it's like you're not living on the edge of your seat when you order a salad. Man, what dressing am I going to get today? This is going to be a big decision. <laughs> you know? Okay. What's what's, what's Daniel okay. Scouse going to do today? He's going to make some gritty play where he like throws it from his knee or something. Like, okay, it's cool, but like he's not going to blow you away. And and I think I've made myself very clear on my stance on this. Where I think Descalso should be the odd one out of the Descalso, Paulson, Damas trio. Would you agree with that? Do you think Descalso deserves a shot? Do you think we should keep him around, see what he does? I think there's a little bit more debate between Descalso and Adamas because Adamas has been horrible so far this year. I mean, he's hitting below the uh, below the Mendoza line. I mean, he's just not getting a lot of at-bats either, so that's kind of part of the problem. So that you almost would like to see him down in AAA, getting some at-bats, getting some, like, just improving as a baseball player. And I don't quite think he's be, or I just don't quite think he's be able to do that right now. Um, Descalso is a veteran. He's He knows his career is going to be as a backup infielder from here on out. So... Let him fill that role and give let Adamus play a little bit, play a little bit more. Problem is Adamus is out of options, so we can't really send him down without risk of losing him. So that's why he's staying on the team right now. But but then at the same time, do you honestly think if we were to DFA Adamus, do you think we'd still lose him? Because to me, I don't even think he's been. Uh, I guess I don't think he has enough potential. I don't think he's shown enough where a team would claim him. I think we could send him down. I mean, honestly, I would like to keep him on the roster, but my big issue is look at our bench. On any given night, our bench is uh, Rayburn, Descalso, Adamus, and The Tone. Or Garneau. Or Garneau. But it's like, who are we going to pinch hit in any given situation? Yeah, Yeah, it's like we have Rayburn who's like, he's been great this year, we pinch hit him, but like Adamus, Descalso, and Garneau slash Walters... That's I don't, very frightening. I don't know. I, uh, I, 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 like, I see your point. Well, let me ask you this. If you were a team like the Angels, would you rather get a Jose Reyes for like seven mil? Like, no, well, because the Rockies will eat more than that. Get Reyes for like three million and have him as your sh- shortstop. Or would you rather claim... Adamus for nothing and have him like give him a tryout as a everyday shortstop in the major leagues. 
I mean, I'd have Adamus, obviously, but I my thing is that. Well, if so it's then in- you just you just answered your own question, because if people are willing <laughs> to even consider the fact that Reyes might be a like valuable player, then they'll absolutely take a look at Adamus. See, except I don't think teams see Reyes the same way that we do. I think the Reyes that people are considering trading for is the one who at least showed that he was top 10, 15 shortstop in the league. I don't think teams realize quite how bad we're expecting Reyes to be. I mean, when I did my fantasy draft at the beginning of the year, Jose Reyes was going like 12th round. And so like national media, they seem to think that he has some sort of potential, which I think is where the trade rumors come in. We, we, whether we're correct or not, I mean, there's obvious bias in that. We don't think he's worth anything near that. We would probably take Adamus straight up over Reyes, but yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think that's necessarily a fair that. comparison because I don't think teams see Reyes in the same way as they see Adamus. I mean, I could very realistically see a team taking a shot on Adamus. I just don't think. I think there's a decent chance he could go through, but if we, let's say we do lose him, is that really the worst thing that could happen? I mean. I know I was hyping him at the beginning of the year. I've obviously changed my stance now that Trevor Story is Trevor Story. Um, again, another thing I was blatantly wrong about every yes. time I have some sort of serious analysis. Yes. But do, would you really think it'd be a huge loss to take a risk on losing Christian Adamus when we have guys like Rafi Inoa in AAA who are who's basically, I'd say, the same guy with even a little bit more versatility? I just think the potential is still there for Adamus to turn out to be a better baseball player than he's showing right now, a better major league baseball player. I We know exactly what we're getting from Enoa. We don't quite know what we're going to get from Adamus long term. I don't. So that's why I. You want to play the wild card? Yeah, kind of. Well, after my mic went on the fritz, we're back! Hooray! Back in action. Nice little inning break there, a little seventh inning stretch. Yeah. So one la- two last things we wanted to talk about. Castro got Miguel Castro was reinstated from the fifteen day DL and was assigned to triple A. How does that make you feel? Not good because he looked good before he got hurt, but I haven't really been tracking his minor league stuff. It he was struggling really a little seem- bit. He was struggling a little bit. His velocity was a bit down, so it could be cautionary, precautionary to keep him there and let him recover in the minors, but I mean, the way the Rockies are playing, they could really use him right now. He is a very good pitcher, and yeah. we need good pitching in our bullpen. Plug him in right there in the back, shut it down with McGee, who's also been very good, but yeah, I mean, no need to rush it. If he's not looking sharp, we'll give him a little extra time, get him back up to his 98-mile-an-hour self, and shut shit down from there. Yeah, so I'm right with that. I'm all right with him. I'm actually all right with him staying, um, as long as it's medical related. Which, at the same time, it doesn't make sense why they would take him off the 15-day DL, unless it's not medically related and he just needs to get his form back or something. I don't know. To be determined. Yeah, we'll find we'll out. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated. We'll see what happens. But Rockies are playing well. It's a good time to be a Rockies fan, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. When playing this, as and I uh, titled this last piece.
Everything is awesome, man. When we're living our dream, the Rockies are winning. We're going to the shit. Or something. Or something. Or maybe the playoffs. We'll see. Who cares, though? Basically, what we're getting at here is everything we just said for the last hour doesn't matter. Last last minute here. Let's just be excited. Let's be happy that we're Rockies fans. Let's go to Coors Field. Let's, let's all get pumped. Let's all drink our beers and get excited. Because that's what we do as Rockies fans. And that is a good thing to be. Before we go, I need your opinion on something, Logan. Okay. How did you... We're going to break down three separate instances of the Jose Bautista, Roned Ordor brawl. There are three instances? It's just one giant ruckus. Oh, there's three specific instances I want to talk to you about. Fine, let's talk about it. First off, how do you feel about the Rangers hitting Bautista in his last at-bat in the third game because of the bat flip he did in the playoffs last year? I think that's some teenage girl shit to be yeah. <laughs> holding a grudge for six months now, and then, seven months even. And then pulling out all the stops at the end of the series so there's no retaliation? Hmm. Yeah. I got I got an article dropping tomorrow where I address this exact thing, but it's it's ridiculous. It's... <laughs> I mean, we had six months to digest it, get over it. It's kind of like when Tulo made his remarks about the clubhouse and being too much like a country club. Country club. <laughs> so it's like there, there's a time where you could say that and, like, you just come off as kind of a dick, but, like, at the same time, it's okay because of the timing. This is something where it's like you can't believe you're not over it, let alone Matt Bush, who hasn't even been on the team until last week. It's his second appearance of his career, and the poor guy is, like, finally made the majors after 12 years if i'm not mistaken i think he was in jail when batista years. tossed yeah. the bat probably <laughs> it's like, well, no like, not, not when he tossed the bat but he was in jail i guess it would have been in minors at that time but yeah it's like the, the dude had nothing to do with it like i get team loyalty and whatever but it's just ridiculous like what well, i understand like i hated i did not like that batista did it either but like you gotta get over it it's been half a half a year now How'd you feel about Batista's slide? <laughs> I tried explaining it to my friends who don't follow baseball at all. I was like, you don't understand, like, his butt didn't even hit the base until after second base. <laughs> I mean, anytime a guy does that, he goes, I'm just sliding into the base, but that's something where, come on. I don't have any sort of intelligent response other than, come on, like... He finished up a solid three, four feet behind second base. Yeah, that was a terrible slide. There was no intent to stay on the base. No. Final thing. How, what are your feelings about the punch? I do like that. He yeah. squared him up nice. I, I've never seen a more solid punch in a sports fight ever. I don't even think like I have ho- either. Even like hockey, they don't square guys up that well. No. Like, I admire Tista for staying on his feet after that. Like, Odor's a little guy, but he got clocked. Yeah. I think my favorite part of the entire incident was just Adrian Beltre walking around the field with Jose Bautista in his arms like he was a little baby, just, like, holding him, like, keeping his arms at his side and just, like, walking around, like, while everyone else was swinging at each other in the big brawl. And then you just see Adrian Beltre, Jose Bautista off to the side, just sitting there watching, walking around. 
I've always thought of Beltre as kind of like the sketchy uncle who has way too many memories from Nam, <laughs> and, and like that, and like that reaction in the brawl just like epitomized that. Like it was perfect. Like it's exactly what like the muscular, strong, disciplined uncle would do. Oh, absolutely. While while the kids go get in trouble or poke the bear when there's no no other problems going on, he's always there to pull them out of trouble. Also, you know, it's a good brawl when fourteen guys get in trouble for one reason or another. I think. I don't know how many guys ended up with suspensions, but I saw it was 14 guys ended up getting some sort of punishment. So, it's a good brawl. It's a big brawl. Good on you, MLB. Good on you. Good on you. I think that's all we got today. You got anything else to add? No. We were all over the place. There's a lot of subjects. I'm glad we got it all covered. Yep. Check out Logan's article dropping to today by the time you listen to this. Um, yep. I'll have something going up on Friday featuring the Iceman. Read about it on there. Check it out. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Or next time. Or sometime. Goodbye.